Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to HealthWise 360 with Christy Cordingly. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to this episode of HealthWise 360, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. I'm your show host, Christy Cordingly, and you'll be able to see this interview on In the Limelight TV, which is distributed on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and 100 other smart TV apps. The audio version of this interview can be heard wherever you listen to your podcasts. And today I'm really excited because I get to interview Dr. Thomas Hemingway, MD. He is a holistic and integrated medical doctor who lives and shares his personal and professional philosophy of prevention over prescription and is passionate about sharing the message of natural health and healing through powerful practices, which are simple, doable, and can be life-saving. His book, Preventable, Five Powerful Practices to Avoid Disease and Build Unshakable Health, describes the foundational principles of creating solid lifelong health. And he also shares uh, his message in his top-rated health podcast, Unshakable Health, where he is known for distilling down the latest medical knowledge and science into easily digestible and actionable steps, which can change our lives in the present and the future. And if he wasn't busy enough already, he is also a husband and a proud father to six wonderful humans with whom he enjoys spending time in the outdoors, being creative while surfing, snowboarding, skiing, hiking, skateboarding, mountaineering, and playing tennis. Thomas, I'm going to need a nap after reading all that. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> But obviously, you have the secret to health. That's for sure. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much, Chrissy. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're super happy to have you on. So let's start with, so you are, even though you are a trained medical physician, you are a doctor, but now you teach more of a holistic and integrative preventative medicine. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your story and why you made that switch and kind of what, what that means? Maybe the public doesn't understand that there's a whole preventable side of healthcare out there available now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a board certified physician, originally trained in emergency care. I worked in hospitals, mostly ERs for the better part of the last two decades. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that is though I had a very traditional Western medicine training to be able to do that, my sort of um, overall approach to well-being and health has always been very natural and very holistic. As a kid, you know, I, I was kind of a weird kid that used to read tons of books. And, you know, I read Quantum Healing by Deepak Chopra, and that was at 14 years of age. I learned about, you know, all of these sort of, in those days, they called them alternative techniques. You know, I, I went to a big name medical school, UC San Diego, and there was a course called Alternative Medicine. And we learned about, you know, all, all the, you know, so-called holistic approaches. We learned about, for example, um, acupuncture, cupping. We learned about uh, supplements. We learned about meditation, yoga, all these mm -hmm. kinds of things before they were a thing. This was the 1990s and it, it wasn't popular back then. In fact, just to give you an idea, I had a medical school class of nearly 150 and there were about 10 people in this course. So much less than 10% of my <laughs> medical uh, school you know, colleagues were interested in this other aspect of health, which is a really big factor at the end of the day in our health and wellness. And so I, I went on my journey. I was trained and, and board certified in emergency care, worked in hospitals, mostly ERs for many years. But what was interesting is I got a little older and I started to see people younger than I you know, this is, I'm, I'm turning 50 next year. So I consider myself a very young man, but when yeah. I started to see people in their thirties and forties die of heart attacks or have their first stroke 
or significant, you know, medical issues, I was thinking to myself, like, this is not right. What is happening? We have amazing emergency care. And I'm very proud of what I was able to do in the ER, but our prevention is poor, very poor among the worst. We're right now, present day 2023, at least in the US, we're among the least healthy in humanity and the least healthy we've ever been. In fact, for the first time in our lifetimes and in well over a hundred years, the life expectancy for humans, for us, you and I, it's going down. And this has been going down for several years now, even prior to COVID. Obviously, COVID didn't help. It went down a little more, but our trajectory had already changed prior to COVID. And this, you know, I was aware of this and I've been kind of following this and I've been learning all along of other strategies that can help us naturally without, for example, a pharmacologic, you know, which is what I was well-trained in in school, Mm -hmm. how, you know, the so-called pill for every ill approach. I now take a much more thorough and deep kind of deep dive, if you will, into health and try to get down to the root. What's actually causing the illness in the first place, rather than a quick fix kind of band-aid approach, which is what we often do in Western medicine. We throw a quick uh, prescription at you because it's fast. You know, it's easy. It doesn't take a lot of time. We might have to see, you know, dozens of people in a day, and it's hard to get deep into the root cause if you can only spend 15 minutes or less with a patient. And so I've learned some simple strategies that can change health for the better, obviously, from the root level. And these are simple, these are available, these are free. And this is what I talk about in my upcoming book. And what I found is that, you know, sadly, most most doctors, most physicians don't speak to this. You know, all those seven out of 10 of the leading causes of death right now today are almost entirely preventable. Heart disease, for example, number one killer in women and men and across the world, not just in the Western world, across the entire world, heart disease is still the number one killer. And despite all the technology, we can get in there and open up the blood vessel with a little balloon. We can leave a little thing in there to keep it open called the stent. We can do all these things, but we're not preventing this illness, which is almost (laughs) entirely preventable. And so that's what I get fired up about today is sharing with people how they can take control of their health and they don't have to feel um, you know, that, that they are powerless because a lot of times I think in medicine, you feel like, oh, I have to just get this prescription from my doctor. I can't mm-hmm. do much about it. Like that's completely wrong. You, there's so <laughs> much you can do. In fact, over 90% of all illness is what you do or don't do in the so-called epigenetic region, which is not something you get from your mom or your dad. You can't blame it on them. It's all no. the behavioral stuff that you get to do or not do each and every day. And you get to control the overwhelming majority of your health. So that's what I love to share with people, love to teach them how they can do this simply, empower them to not just survive life, which is what I was doing for decades, but actually thrive, get out of bed with energy, vitality, and go tackle your life. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny. I, cause I had a chronic illness um, and I've been in remission now for a long time, but I, had said to the doctor, I'm like, we're doing all these tests and you keep giving me all these drugs. So it's like, I sat in the tack, but you're giving me an Advil like for the pain. How about we just figure out where the tack <laughs> came from and then figure out how to not sit on more tacks going forward. Right. And that's really yeah. where the approach changed, but it's so true. So, yeah. so we, we know this is happening, but why is it happening? What is, what are we doing? That's decreasing our own lifestyle Our you know, increasing our risk for some of these uh, health markers like cardiovascular issues, di- type two diabetes is extremely on the rise right now. I was at a dinner not too long ago and it was funny because someone said, oh, I have diabetes. And then like five other people held up their hands. There was only 15 of us there. And I'm like, 
you got, you don't think that's messed up? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, not the way yeah. it used to be. It's not the way it mm. used to be. I mean, when I did my training, we didn't see a lot of type two diabetes. And now, like you said, and that number is pretty solid. About 30% of adults in the West now have type two diabetes, which is basically a hundred percent preventable. And mm -hmm. you won't hear that from most doctors. They're just quick and ready to give you a glucophage, metformin, whatever the, the medication is. And they're not, you know, going to take the time to talk to you about how to reverse this because it can be reversed. It can be reversed rather simply. And so the biggest lever that's most available to all of us is what lies at the tip of our fork. It's the food that we eat. Food <laughs> is either the absolute best medicine or it's a slow poison. And we get to make that decision multiple times a day, every day. And with the strategies that I talk about, which is really simple, it's just eat, eat real food. If you can eat single ingredient real food, you're going to be leaps and bounds ahead of, you know, 70% of people. Cause right now the standard Western diet, sadly for the U S and Canada is mostly processed foods. In fact, 67% mm -hmm. nearly of all of the food we eat is not just processed, but it's considered highly processed, which is basically stuff that comes in a bag or a box or with a barcode and it has an ingredients list, right? <laughs> Most of the stuff we actually should be eating doesn't require an ingredients list, you know, broccoli <laughs> is broccoli, you know, uh, grass fed meat is meat, mm -hmm. fish is fish, you know, it's one ingredient foods. That's the stuff that we really should be eating and what we were eating a hundred years ago when we weren't dying by the droves of heart disease. And now we, we literally, you know, are eating things that I call them food like substances. It's not even real food. It's so highly <laughs> processed that it's actually not even food. You know, what's crazy is there's actually an allowable amount of sawdust allowed in processed food in the U S and I Canada, which drives like in your cereal and your crackers, you're ingesting sawdust because there's an allowable amount allowed. That's crazy. That's nuts. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. Oh, uh, don't even get me started on that. That's tip <laughs> of the iceberg. I mean, when you compare what we allow here in the West to what say our European colleagues mm -hmm. allow, it's very different. They actually have much higher quality foods and mm -hmm. we don't, and we can, we get to choose, but we don't, we just choose easy, right? We go shopping and we buy what's already packaged and ready to go, whether it's in the freezer and we throw it in the microwave and heat it up real quick because we're busy or we eat the fast food stuff that's on the corner because it's quick and easy. Like all of that stuff is not even food. It's food like, but it's not real food. And it is what happens is it's inflammatory. It literally causes inflammation, which is at the root of heart disease. It's at the root of most autoimmune conditions because they are by definition inflammatory. Mm -hmm. And it's literally the one thing that can be the easiest to control. It's we get to decide what goes in our mouth. Nobody's force feeding us. Like we make that choice. We get to pick. And so that's, that's the first lever I help people to recognize is that food can be our best possible medicine or a slow poison. And we get to pick that each and every day. And I just have three things that I tell people to avoid. It's really mm -hmm. simple. I like to use an ad rather than subtract. And, yes, and this is highlighted by all of my travels because I love to travel. I love to eat cuisine from every culture. It's amazing the richness of food that's available. I love to go to Europe and eat the Mediterranean cuisine and island nations. And it's so amazing. I'm, I'm a great eater. I've always been described <laughs> as that. I'll eat pretty much anything you offer me, uh, especially if it's made at home, home cooked, made mm -hmm. from stuff that grows in the field or that can be you know, um, easily, um, harvested or what have you, that's not coming from a box or a bag or with a barcode. I love, love, love real food. And so I just tell people, look, eat real food and avoid three things. It's this easy. Number one, 
the highly processed sugars. Avoid that, especially anything that has high fructose corn syrup. Like anything that has sugar, highly processed sugar, avoid it. Whether it says natural agave nectar or even cane sugar coming from Hawaii, I, <laughs> you just got to avoid the sugar. Sugar is inflammatory. Sugar is not awesome. So that's the first thing. The second is just the highly processed grains, the flours, the, you know, not just gluten, that's tip of the iceberg. I avoid all of it. The oats and the any grain that's highly processed, I avoid it. I don't eat almost any grain because most of it is not like what we used to eat a thousand years ago. You know, mm -hmm. most of us know that the wheat nowadays is is this uh, hybridized bug. You know, it's it's basically it's a dwarf wheat that's not anything like what our ancestors used. If you go to Europe and you eat there breads and things, they actually have a much more, you know, tolerable form of wheat because they're not using this hybridized GMO dwarf wheat. They use real wheat. And so most people that have gluten issues can go to Europe and eat their stuff because they, they, they just have a better quality source. But I just tell mm -hmm. people, look, just avoid it all in the U S it's easier that way. Avoid the grains, the sugars. And the third is just what's called the seed oil. Basically anything that's vegetable oil, right? If it, if it comes from a seed that means it's highly, highly processed. So this could be canola oil. It could be organic canola oil. It could be sunflower oil. It could be soybean oil. It's one of the most popular nowadays is soybean oil or corn oil or rice bran oil, sunflower, safflower. All of these oils are very, very highly processed. It takes high pressure, high heat. It takes bleaching. It takes deodorizing just to make them palatable. They literally come in the bottle rancid. And we don't notice it because they've been bleached and they've been <laughs> deodorized. So we can't tell. And yet the only oils we should be eating are those natural ones that you can take a fruit and squeeze Cold it. Press. Like for example, yeah. yeah, you take an olive and you squeeze it and you get olive oil. You take an avocado and you squeeze it, you get avocado oil. You take a coconut like in Hawaii and you squeeze it, you get coconut oil. That's it. You don't have to use high pressure. You don't have to use high heat. You don't have to bleach it, deodorize it. Any of these crazy industrialized processes that basically bring the oils to us rancid and super inflammatory. So if we can avoid those three things and then just eat the whole rainbow, like whatever works for you, I'm not somebody that tells you, Oh, you got to go vegan. Oh no, you got to go carnivore. No, no, no. You got to go paleo. No, no, no. You got to do this. No, do whatever works for you. We're all individuals. Yes. We're all unique. I mean, there's no one diet that works for everyone. It just nope. doesn't exist. So forget all these influencers that are telling you this is the way Choose the way that's right for you as long as it's comprised of real food, single ingredient, well-sourced, real food, and boom, you are leaps and bounds ahead of the crowd right there. It's that simple. Absolutely. So like I know for myself, like I am plant-based because for me, that works best. I tried some of the paleo diets and stuff before when I first had my autoimmune pop up and a lot of them made me sicker. So plant-based has been awesome for me. And I know it's not for everybody. I have other family and friends that have tried it. They do like pescatarian or something different. That's a little better. Mm -hmm. They still get some, some meat in and they're better that way, which is great. But how do we know? Like, what do we feel like, especially if we've been sick for so long, maybe we forget Maybe we think this is what it's supposed to feel like. How do we know we're on the right track with our diet? What starts to change? What are the first things we start to notice or feel when we're like, wow, there's a whole nother world out there. I've been living life under a rock my yeah. whole life. Yeah. 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 I would say some of the first things people notice when they start to eliminate just processed foods, whether they be from animals or plants, anything that's mm. highly processed, honestly, we got to avoid. Like that's, yeah. that's the biggest 
I think, issue when anybody takes the time to eliminate the processed foods, you're going to start to feel better no matter what else you're eating, whether it be plant-based or a combination of plant-based and other yeah. protein sources, you'll Absolutely. feel better when you eliminate the processed foods. So that's that's starting point number one. But you'll, what you'll notice generally is you will feel a couple of things. Usually you'll feel less achy. Like for me in my thirties, I started to notice my joints were starting to hurt. I'm like, gosh, this is really weird. Like, am I getting arthritis at like 30 something? I never had it as a kid. Like, doesn't make much sense to me. Why would I get this now? And it was, I was letting some things sneak into my diet. Cause I was really, really busy, you know, working yes. as a physician, 80 plus hours a week, I was eating hospital food, which sadly is not awesome. You wish it were right. You're in a hospital. Dang it. It should be amazing, but yeah. it's not, it's not awesome. And, <laughs> and so when I started to eliminate basically the processed foods and just eat real foods, I noticed, Hey, my joints don't hurt when I wake up in the morning. I don't feel swollen. I don't feel this kind of foggy mental, you know, people call it brain fog. I just didn't feel as sharp or alert or kind of energized and energetic. I felt tired all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought, gosh, maybe it's just my metabolism. I'm getting older. It's slowing down. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, BS, the data does not show that. A, a landmark study in science, which is the, one of the most reputable journals worldwide, came out last year, which showed that your metabolism does not significantly slow between the ages of 20 years old and 60. So basically the majority of adult life, your metabolism does not slow down. <laughs> It can, it can get messed up and maybe your metabolism is just broken and needs some fixing, but it's not slow. It's actually not slowing down. And so that's a wonderful thing to hear. We blame that a lot for our problems. I don't have energy. Oh, I'm just getting older. Yes. You're not just getting older. You're eating the wrong foods. You're doing some of the wrong things, but you can change that quickly and easily. That's the amazing part. And it's largely in the diet to start. And then you got to pay attention to your sleep and your movement and yes. your stress and you know, some other things like gut health as well plays a big piece into that. But when you optimize these things, it's like night and day. Like I literally started to get quote unquote younger in all the ways I feel. So mm -hmm. I'm turning 50 next year. I got six kids, two of them are in college, two teenagers and two in elementary school. And my first four, <laughs> my first four are boys. And so they're super active. They play a lot of sports. They're highly competitive. And here's little old dad here, nearly 50 years old. I can keep up with every That's one awesome. of them, yeah. outdo them in almost everything. I mean, I can go up to the pull-up bar and do 30 pull-ups in a row. Like what <laughs> adult can do that? What kid can do that? Like almost no one. <laughs> and so you don't have to get less, you know, energetic, less able to do things as you age. BS, you can do more things. There's even more that you can do. And so number one, your metabolism doesn't slow. It might be broken. It might be suboptimal. You can fix that and you can fix that very quickly. So there is hope. We got this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am. Um, oh, shoot. What was I going to say? I was going to say something. And it totally slipped my mind. It'll come back. It'll come back. So how, so other than food, uh, you mentioned a little bit about sleep and that, what are some other leading causes of death or so, um, so, death to our so, lifestyles even? Yeah. I mean, another big factor, which we're all experiencing a lot of present day is stress, right? We're yeah. all under a lot of stress. You know, the pandemic has been super stressful for all of us in many different ways. And we've, as humans, the last hundred years have had increasing amounts of stress, but especially of late, right? We're bombarded with social yes. media, with the news, with all these things about how the world's coming to an end and this and that. And then we, it gets us fired up. You know, we literally have this hormone called cortisol, mm -hmm. which is literally getting released all day long, all day, all night. We are under a lot of stress and that is not awesome for our bodies. In fact, cortisol is one of the leading drivers in what's called insulin 
resistance and insulin resistance is one of the leading drivers in just overall poor health. And so mm-hmm. getting our stress optimized is really, really important. And the cool thing is most of us have no idea how easy that can be. Let me just give you one quick example. So in 2012, a landmark study was done by Keller and colleagues where they studied nearly 200,000 people, lots and lots of people. And all they did was they asked them to rate their stress, either high, medium, or low. And then they followed these people for a couple of decades and they watched to see who died of heart disease, who had medical issues, who lived longer. And what was really interesting is that most of us would kind of predict, oh, those people who had high stress, they had more issues, right? Because that's just kind of natural to assume that. Well, that was the case in some of them. In fact, those in the highest level of stress who believed that the stress was negative, believed that it could cause health conditions, believed that it was bad for them. Well, guess what? It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. They had a 43% higher chance of dying younger, 43%. However, in that same group that had highest level of stress that did not believe that it was bad for them, they actually believed that maybe they could grow from it. It could be empowering. It could be something that they could learn from. It could be motivating. They would use it at what's called a challenge or a growth response. These people actually lived longer. They had, in other words, the opposite effect. It was protective for these people, despite the fact that they had the highest level of stress. Not only was it not negative, but it was protective. They actually lived longer because their belief was that it wasn't bad for them, that they could actually use it as a positive force to grow, to pivot, like many of us have had to do during these last couple of years. We had to change the way we do business. We had to pivot and make different changes. And if we view stress as something that can empower us, then it can help us to grow. Having just that growth mindset, it can make all of the difference. So that's number one. And then there's lots of other techniques we can use to help, right? We can learn different breathing techniques. Mm -hmm. We can learn how to optimize our sleep at night. We can do meditation or just mindfulness. You know, there's all these amazing tools or just my favorite, just get out and move your body for a couple of minutes, right? Like I got six kids. I know when they need a timeout, adults need timeouts too. Sometimes we just need to take a walk outside and get a breath of fresh air and let, let the sun rays hit us and just take a couple of deep breaths. I mean, we need that too. So just simple, simple things like that can make all a difference, but it starts right up here between the ears. It really does because, you know, especially when it comes to stress and circumstances and especially on the global scale, it's not like we could control a whole lot. Right. So yeah. If the more we have resilience, 100%, that cortisol, then it just, because a little bit of stress is good, right? It keeps us motivated. It keeps us moving. But if we're in that constant stress, that's when cortisol shuts down your body because it thinks you're getting chased by a dinosaur your whole life. And it's not a good time to get some sleep or feel sleepy if you're being chased by a, you know, a tiger or something, right? So the body doesn't know the difference. But um, so I was, I remembered what I was going to say about food. Uh, It was, you had talked about, um, eating the right things and how you feel. For me, I think it's uh, when you eat something and it gives you energy rather than makes you sleepy. That's when you're on the right track. Like yes. That's a really noticeable thing uh, when you actually eat something and you're like, hey, I have energy now because the food is fuel. That's what it's supposed to yes. be doing, right? It's fuel. And if it's making you tired, then you're you're probably not doing it right, right? So um, yeah, no, that's really important. You mm-hmm. just notice that because if it's making you tired, yeah, usually what that means is it's it's uh, carbohydrate laden and you have a spike in your sugar quickly <laughs> and it starts to dip and your body's like, holy crap, my sugar's starting to dip. I, I got to turn turn off all the important functions and just rest and just yeah. chill. And maybe I need to reach for another snack because I need some <laughs> more energy. And then you get on this roller coaster that all day long, your sugar spiking and going down and spiking. And it's 
Yeah, but it, that's a great way to measure it. How do you feel afterwards? Not just like five minutes later, but how do you feel two hours later? Because usually if you're eating the foods that are super inflammatory that make your blood sugar go up and dip, those tend to, you know, within about 90 minutes to two hours, you'll notice a change in how you feel as far as your energy levels. And if you have sustained energy for hours and hours after you eat something, that's good. That's working for you. And if you don't, you might want to take a look at that, you know, to get a little <laughs> diary. Like you said, just kind of pay attention to what you're eating and how it makes you feel super important. Absolutely. You know, I'll tell you a little funny story if that's okay. I was, I was away with my mom for a weekend and I was in charge of all the cooking. And so I made this lunch and it was, you know, a chickpea salad and a bunch of stuff. And she, uh, she's like, okay, I'm going to have a nap after lunch. Cause she loves taking naps, but she was really mad at me. Cause she's like, I can't sleep. I have too much energy. Damn you and your healthy food. Yeah, it was funny. Oh, darn you, sir. That's anything. awesome. But yeah, That's it was awesome. funny. Yeah. So like, <laughs> Even she noticed the yeah. difference. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to That's nap. fantastic. Nap, and she ended up doing stuff, which was great. We had a great day. But yeah. So what are the biggest levers that we can use to optimize our health and life going forward? Now that we know, how can we not feel maybe ashamed of how we've been living, but how can we take those next steps into, you know, you mentioned a little bit about adding, not subtracting. I really love that. The yes. crowded out philosophy. Tell us a little more about things that we can start doing if we're kind of at that state of, oh, yeah. I need to change. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a mnemonic. Like all good physicians, we went to medical school and we have little <laughs> memory tools that help us. And so I developed a mnemonic to help us, you know, just remember these simple steps. And it's F. MSGs, plural. So we all hate MSG anyway, and you should because it's not good for you. You throw an S on the end, you say F MSG. And then, so you got to just do those five things. The first is what we've talked about quite a bit. It's about food and food is important, not just in the quality and, and really, you know, that the other thing besides quality and sourcing your food well and eating real natural foods is the timing, the timing of your food. So right now in the Western world, we eat sadly every moment, our eyes are open, our mouths are open. That doesn't work. That doesn't work for our bodies. We need to actually take a break in our eating schedule. You know, when I was a young kid, I learned about the four, four, 12, because my family has always been super athletic. And they're like, okay, we got to have at least four hours between meals and at least 12 hours a night. In fact, when I was young, we did intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding way before anybody even had a word for it. This was the 1970s and mm. we ate dinner at 5 p.m. and we ate breakfast at 7 a.m. So that was 14 hours that we didn't eat anything. It was kind of extreme. My mother used to put a lock on the refrigerator so we literally <laughs> could not eat after dinner. She said, you know what? You don't eat your dinner. That's it. You're done for the night. Sorry. You know, so that's a good way to encourage your kids to eat whatever you cook because you're in control. <laughs> you buy the food, you cook the food. If they don't want to eat it, well, tough. You know, they'll, they'll learn over time to like healthy food. And my kids have, but, but we did the extreme case. She locked the fridge and after 5 PM, we didn't eat anything till the next morning at seven. So we did a 14 hour overnight fast with not even knowing it. There was no word for it. We didn't call it intermittent fasting, time restricted feeding, like none of that. It wasn't a thing but we were super healthy and energetic because of it. The other thing is just between your meals. Like if you're snacking all day long and COVID has been a terrible thing for this because we've been at home in the refrigerator and the pantry are within arm's reach. You know, we're like, oh, I might be a little bit hungry. Maybe I'll go walk over to the fridge and grab something. And that's not the best thing for your metabolism. <laughs> your metabolism actually needs a break between meals. And most people will find that even without switching out a lot of the foods that they eat, if they just switch out the, and adjust the timing mm -hmm. where they have an overnight window of at least 12 hours, maybe 13 or 14, if they don't eat any calories for that period of time, they'll their metabolism will start to mend. It'll start to heal. It'll start to work better because it actually needs time 
to flush out all the toxins, all the waste products of metabolism that build up throughout the day. And this happens while we sleep and while we are not eating. So just timing your foods is a big thing. So that's the food part. It's the quality of our food and the timing. The M is movement. We have to incorporate movement into our life, whatever that is for us. For me, the simplest thing is just go for a walk. We all have two feet. Generally speaking, we're bipeds. We know how to do this. Just go for a simple walk. And what I've tried to encourage people to do besides, you know, going to a gym or going for a run, Mm -hmm. like those things take extra planning. Just every time you eat a meal and if you eat three meals a day, perfect. Take a 10 minute walk after every meal. And then you've done 30 minutes Mm -hmm. of exercise throughout the day. You didn't even notice it. You didn't even notice. You just did 10 minutes at a time. And even if it's cold, like in Winnipeg, what you can do and what I've been doing recently, because I was with family in Utah and it was like (laughs) negative 14 Fahrenheit. We would just, after dinner, we would turn on a couple of, you know, fun kind of dance music. My kids, I got, you know, six kids, we would do two or three songs. We have a little dance party in the living room. We would all just kind of goof around, move our body. Some of us would lift weights. Some of us would just dance. Some of, you know, we'd just be moving our body for 10 minutes after you eat. And this has been shown to help so much with metabolism and also decreases that spike in glucose that I was telling you about. That's going to then drop and make you feel really tired. And it actually energizes you. Like this is where the law of thermodynamics you learned as a kid doesn't apply, right? It's like matter cannot be created nor destroyed, nor can energy. It only changes forms. And yet yet you expend energy doing exercise. And afterwards, guess what? You're more energized. It doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense when you get down to the molecular level, because you are growing and empowering what are called the mitochondria, which are those little powerhouses Mm -hmm. that make your energy. So the more you use them, they get bigger, they get stronger, and they make more of them. So you actually get more energy by doing more movement. It's so simple and it doesn't have to be hard. If you can log in eight to 10,000 steps every single day, like that's a great place to start and just move your body 10 minutes after every meal. Boom, you've got it. And if you, you know, are able to do body weight stuff even better because that's the thing we've been forgetting the last couple of decades. We're all about cardio. Oh, you got to do your cardio. You got to cardio is amazing. It's important. It's not enough, especially as you age, you got to use those darn muscles. Those muscles are what gets you off the pot. When you go to the bathroom, like if you have no (laughs) muscles, you can't even get yourself off the toilet or you can't reach up in the cabinet and grab the food, or you can't take the lid off of the can or whatever, the the jar in the fridge of your kimchi or something healthy like that, you can't take the lid off of it because you're not strong enough because you don't have the muscles. So you got to engage those muscles at least two times a week. I recommend three times a week if you can. And it can be doing simple body weight stuff. I'm doing air squats right now while I talk to you. I always, I always use a standing desk, you know, put a cardboard box on your desk and put your computer on top of it. You don't need to go buy a standing desk. Just get an old uh, box that's in your garage. It's easy. So movement every single day to some degree. If it's just a walk, that's perfect. So that's F M S sleep. Mm-hmm. Sleep is one of the most under utilized, powerful forces with health, with metabolism, with your overall, you know, stress levels and things. Sleep could be that secret ingredient. A lot of people, you know, they're like, okay, I'm optimizing my diet. I'm moving my body every day. I still can't lose those five to 10 pounds that are so dang stubborn. And I ask, well, how's your sleep? Are you logging in seven to eight quality hours every single night? They're like, uh, no, about four to five, six hours, maybe. And I'm up watching Netflix after I finish my work. I'm like, no, that's, that could be that secret ingredient that you're missing out on is sleep. Sleep is one of the best things to balance your hormones, right? We all have these hormones that can wreak havoc on us if we're doing the late nights and staring into the blue lights, whether it be on our tablets, our phones or whatever. So like I tell people, they need to have a food curfew, right? So we can get our 12 to 14 hours overnight. You also need 
a blue light curfew, whether that be your phone, your television, mm -hmm. your screens on your whatever. It, it's hard, but if you do it, it'll be powerful. Start with one hour. I think we can all do one hour prior to going to bed without a screen. It's like, well, what do I do without my screen? Well, you read a book, you sit in a bathtub, you chat with a friend or family member, just snuggle with your dog. Like, isn't it amazing to just sit there and chill and not have stimulation from every direction? Like, it's amazing. Do that for one hour before bed. If you can do two hours without screens, even better. But I find that's really hard for people. So start with one hour, have a mm -hmm. food curfew of three hours, a device curfew of one hour, and really schedule it. The most important thing about sleep is it's got to be a routine. If you have a routine that you're following, even on the weekends, for the most part, it's so much easier. And many of us who have kids, we know that kids need a routine. Well, guess what? Adults need routines. We also need routines. We thrive when we have a sleep routine. We got to have this hygiene. So no food, three hours, no device, one hour, and then do something relaxing, you know, jump in a warm bath or read a book without a light blaring you in the face, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, just chill, just relax. Maybe write in a journal, write a yeah. list of things. Like if you got your mind racing at night, do what I call the mental dump. You know, yes. you might take a dump on the potty before you go to bed. So not to get up and <laughs> we'll take a mental dump. Just write all the stuff down that's on your mind. Just dump it out in a journal, piece of paper, whatever. And then just let your body just kind of ease mm -hmm. into the evening and relax. So sleep is so important. I could go on for, for days on how important it is because I didn't value it for decades of my life. I did not. And that was one of the things I was missing out on because I wasn't taught how valuable it was. In fact, the research on why we need to sleep didn't come out until 2006. This was well after I finished medical school. Yes. We learned that at night, your brain refreshes, rejuvenates. It takes out the trash, this thing called the glymphatic system, which actually is what exists in your brain to help flush out all the toxins and the waste products of the day. And that only gets released and refreshed at night while we are sleeping. If we're not sleeping, that's not happening. And maybe we're building up toxins that could lead to these diseases we don't want, like dementia, for example. We got to get rid of the toxins and that happens while we sleep. So we can't wait to sleep till we're dead. We have to sleep and prioritize that sleep. So that was the next one. The last one, let's see, FMSG. So gut health. This is kind yes. of a big topic. We probably would need a whole podcast on gut health, <laughs> yes. but it, the cool thing, the cool thing about it is that as we optimize these other things, our food, of course, because what we feed us, we feed them as well. So if we are feeding them lots of healthy prebiotic foods, which are in large part, what you're talking about, the plant-based things, my favorites are things like Brussels sprouts and mm -hmm. artichokes and um, all of the leafy greens and all the fibrous, fibrous fruits and vegetables. Those are what feeds the healthy bacteria in our gut. The things like lactobacillus and saccharomyces boulardii and all these amazing things that we're learning about like acromancia that not only can do amazing things like produce vitamins, but they can help us with our mood. They can help us with our well-being. They can help us with our energy levels. They can help us to lose weight. Like, And if we don't feed them properly and we feed them you know, the stuff in the middle of the grocery store, that packaged stuff with those three things I said to avoid, well, guess what? Then the not so good guys proliferate and they tell our brain, they say, hey, eat more of those Oreos or Doritos or ice cream or whatever. They literally send messages to your brain to eat more of that because why? It's Darwinian. It's survival of the fittest. If you eat that crap, they will survive, which is what they want to do. They want to survive. So it's not you being weak. Nobody out there is weak or unable. No. no, it's not. It could be just those bacteria that live in you that are sending you those signals to eat that crap. It's not you. It's not you being weak. And when you change that, 
you'll notice all your cravings will change. It's so miraculous. It's so amazing. It's so wonderful. And it happens quickly within days mm -hmm. to weeks. Even though this process of getting to where we are took months and years, we can start to make changes within days to weeks because those gut bacteria, they're dying off every single day and new ones are coming in. They're cycling through very quickly. And so as we change our diet, they will change. And if we feed the good guys, so to speak, they will work with us together synergistically, symbiotically, and we will reap the benefits. So mm -hmm. tons of amazing research on gut health. There's so much to share there, but it's super powerful. And we've been avoiding it and ignoring it for way too long, but it really starts with the tip of our fork. And then all the other things, because sleep affects them. It's weird. It doesn't even make sense, right? They're in this dark place. How would sleep and circadian rhythm affect them? But it does. It actually does. The data suggests that it does. So as we improve our sleep, so will they, and they will work better, more efficiently, and they'll help us so much more. And the final thing we already talked about a little bit is stress, how we can yeah. optimize our stress. That's the final S. And so these are the tools that if we can use them on a daily basis, doing these simple strategies, they will change your day, your immediate day, and then change your life. I mean, you won't be succumbing to these illnesses and diseases that are killing us by the droves because you've taken these simple actions and they are within your reach, within your power. They're not hard. They're simple. They are doable. <laughs> They are. They really are. I love, I have to go back to what you said about movement and your dance party. I just want to say that's brilliant because not only is it movement, but it's joyful movement, which also yes. will give you a dopamine boost, right? Which is the good chemicals in your brain. So you're doing more than just good exercise. Like you're doing a lot of good stuff for your body there. And in the gut too, I don't think people realize there's a lot of serotonin receptors in the gut yes. along with those bacteria. So if it's messed up down there, that mind gut connection is 100% yes. true bang on. So thank you so much. What, um, is there any last thoughts we'd like to leave the audience with before we wrap up for today? Yeah, I would say don't underestimate the power of your mind and the connection that you can have with those that are around you. And it could be the connection even with your pets, for example. There's a chemical called oxytocin that gets released, which is literally the anti-stress hormone. And that gets released when we are in community and when we are sharing with those that we care about. And it could be in a yoga class. It could be cuddling with our canine or feline friend as we're, you know, getting ready for going to bed, you know, whatever it is, like connecting with people either in person or online or whatever on the phone, like good old fashioned call somebody every day. This, I didn't even mention in my morning routine, but in it, it, one of the things is just to have a moment for gratitude and yeah. take a moment to thank somebody who's, who's helped you in your life in any way, write them a little tiny, quick one line. Thank you note, drop it in the mail or send them a text message. One line of how they've helped you in your life and how you are so grateful for them, like gratitude and connection are so powerful. And I think this is the one thing that really, it, it for me, it kind of brings everything together. So, you know, many of us have heard of these blue zones, right? The, the areas of the world where people tend to live the longest, you know, like a hundred plus years, like in Italy, for example, in Okinawa, Japan, Japan. Costa Rica, the Nokoya Peninsula, like these places beyond their diet, which they all have a decent diet. The one thing they really share and share greatly is the power of connection, the power of community. You know, most of us have heard of this community in Rosetto, Pennsylvania. They were Italians and they came over there and they had this just strong sense of community and connection. Although they didn't eat the healthiest foods and many of them smoke and drink, they lived significantly <laughs> longer than their neighbors. But what was different is their community and their connection. 
So never underestimate the power of connection with other humans, with your favorite canine or feline friends, just taking a moment to breathe and to appreciate what's around you and connect with somebody. Connection is powerful. It really is. Thank you so much, Dr. Hemingway. That was really wonderful. We really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And I'd, I'd love for people to reach out if they have questions. I'm easily found either on Instagram at Dr. Thomas Hemingway, which is Dr. Thomas Hemingway, or just Thomas Hemingway on any of the sites, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. My website is just my name, thomashemingway.com. They can grab the book there right now. It's in the pre-order phase. And if you order now, there's a lot of little special goodies you'll get as the book gets uh, released. They'll get some courses by me and a lot of cool stuff. So yeah, thomashemingway.com or Dr. Thomas Hemingway, Dr. Thomas Hemingway on Instagram. Easy to find me and I'd be, I'd love we're gonna, to connect. Absolutely. We're going to put it all in the show notes so people can easily click and find you right at their fingertips listening to the show. So it's perfect. Great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of HealthWise 360 here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends.